Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted this time that we have to come and sit at your feet and hear what you have to say. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody listening will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's also go through our Bible confession. Got a burning bush up there. Hey. We like to say this before we get into the Word of God. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you're going to think that today has been coordinated, but I promise you it has not. There are some things that have come together that were planned separately, but the fact that they all come, came together on today's message is nothing but God. Now, what I'm wearing today, as you can see, I have on a, like a Tom and Jerry T-shirt, and I have on some colorful shoes and whatnot. Somebody has asked me about this, so let me go ahead and explain why I'm dressed this way. First of all, I'm, this is me in general, but everything that I'm wearing is from the items from my children. For example, they know that I grew up watching what I call real cartoons. Yes. Tom and Jerry, Buzz Bunny, Woody Woodpecker, Popeye. You know, back when cartoons were animals and stuff like that. Wasn't nobody cutting off necks and shooting people and being inappropriate. You know, it was, if it was, it was kind of like a hint of it. So they, they, they know that I'm not a big T-shirt guy, but things like this, nostalgic things, I like. Now, what about the shoes? They know I like this brand of shoe. And they realized that my other pair were getting worn. So they bought me another pair. I told them, I, left, I leave the color completely up to you. So they got me this multicolored shoe, and I love it. <laughs> this bracelet, they bought me. Each gold band is the name of my grandchildren. And on there, you notice, if you can see, there are five. The fifth is due in March. Zephaniah, my son's fourth. So all the things that I have on have relate to me and my children. The coordinated part, along with the message, is today you're going to hear from 
our children. They will come from youth ministry in here, and they will share some things with you. I'm not going to steal their thunder. I'm just going to tell you they're going to share. Now, that's coordination with my clothes. Oddly enough, this is Christmas stuff. So this is my first time wearing this stuff. Besides this, I've worn this before, the bracelet. So that's one thing that's oddly coordinated. The message is another thing that's oddly coordinated, and then that. But once again, it's all God. Here we go, family. We are on a road to talk about our vision. And that vision has three parts. We've talked about restore. We've talked about re-engage. And we've been talking about rebuild. When I was blessed enough to stand before you about some three weeks ago, what I told you was that there were three viewpoints that I wanted all of us to acknowledge and accept before we get too deep into this rebuild category specifically. What were those two points? Here we go. The three points. I, we had gone through two, and we hadn't done the third yet, but here's, here they are, points one and two. The first one says, when God rebuilds us, you and I are rebuilt to do. God is not rebuilding us to just sit down and do nothing. The second one, God will start rebuilding the moment you allow his light in. Any day can be a New Year's day. New Year's Day, that is not the chronological January 1st on the calendar. That New Year's Day is any moment you make the decision that starting right now, all of my future years will be new. I'm going to do better on that starting this point forward. I'm going to speak better this point forward. I'm going to just change this point forward. I'm not going to have a year next year like I had last year. Them, them, their years, they in a rear view mirror, never to return again. That's New Year's Day. The moment you let God's light in, guess what? You can make the decision that it's going to be a New Year's Day for me. What I promised was that the next time we get together, I would jump into this viewpoint number three. And I meant that. With everything that's inside of me, I meant that I was telling you what I was going to do, but then God. God placed before me the oddest image that I've ever had come my way. It was as if I'm walking down this street, and all of you are following me. And I imagine whoever else listens to our podcast or what, they're following me. And all of a sudden, in the road, emerges, emerges a blockage, like a piece of earth. Conceptually, it looked like this. Let me look at this image. Conceptually, we're just walking, you guys are following, and I'm doing my thing, and then... And I was like, what in the Houdini? Now, that's the conceptual view. But in my mind's eye, what it really was, was a mountain. It looked more like this. Look at this image. 
out of nowhere. The circumference too big for me to go around it. Couldn't lead you around it. The height. Imagine trying to climb that thing. Even attempting to do so, I couldn't get a grip. I couldn't get a footing. Even if I could even try to get myself, how do you get everybody else to go that distance and go, why? I was baffled. Why would I see such a thing in my mind's eye? Y'all know me, though. I ain't getting no answer from God, so I just kept going. We gonna figure out how we need, God wants me to present this third viewpoint. We gonna, we gonna do it. So I, I roll up my sleeves and I dig in. And your boy was studying too. I ain't talking about just, I wasn't just halfway doing that thing. I was digging in. But then God spoke to me. He said to me, you are leading and guiding a group of people on the path to rebuild but I put that mountain in front of you. You can't go around it. You can't climb it. If you're going to go farther, you have to clear your path. And the only way to clear that path is you got to move that mountain. And you can't simply move it in your own strength. To move that mountain, son, you have to speak to it. Okay, what exactly do I say? He says to me, you are to tell the congregation two words, and by words, meaning messages. If you hope to get beyond this point and truly reach the rebuild that I want you to be at, you have to first move that mountain. Speak two messages. Today we start on message one. The weirdest image I've ever had. And I talked to Greta about it Greta's my wife, Pastor Greta, for those who don't know. I talked to Greta about it for weeks. When we were away this past week, I talked to her about it again. It just, it wasn't until I got back home. Before I was going to come and speak with you today, that things began to get clear. What is his first word for us? Here we go. His first word, he says, first inform the people that the process of rebuilding includes rebuilding the children, too. And by children, we're also talking about youth. You cannot rebuild if adults are only thinking that rebuilding includes them. Life happens to us all. You are not a congregation 
of adults only. You are not a congregation that has adults and then a children's church. You are one congregation. Some are just more mature than others. Some have just had more birthdays than others. Some are just more senior than others. But you do not have two groups of sheep. You have a single congregation. You have one congregation who gains access through Jesus, the door to the same God, and have the same indwelling of the same Holy Spirit. If you are going to rebuild, you must incorporate them into the rebuilding process. Everything that we as adults do helps structure and form the world in which they live in. You do it, they feel the impact. You say it, they feel the impact. You allow it, they feel the impact. Amen. Mommy and daddy not getting along, the youth feel the impact. Mommy and daddy get a divorce, guess what? The youth feel the impact. Mommy or daddy not good with money, guess what? The youth feel the impact. Mommy or daddy lazy, guess what? The youth feel the impact. Mommy or daddy get an addiction, guess what? The youth feel the impact. The youth feel the impact of every single thing that we as adults do. And I'm not just talking about mommy and daddies. Mommy and daddy, that was just convenient for me to talk about children and youth. But coaches, politicians, neighbors, guardians, police officers, you name it. All adults, whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever you make out of this world, it forms the basis of the world that they see. You do it, you say it, you speak it, you act it, the youth feel the impact. We have to rebuild with the youth in mind. We our existence is inseparably linked to them. You can't separate your upcoming future, which will be their history, from them. Your history will form the basis of their future. What you do and say today will form who they are today. Think about this. Quick example, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve took one act, and that act had a ripple effect on their offspring. Look at Genesis. Genesis 3, verses 12 through 17 in the New King King James Version. Remember, whenever we show things this way, when it's written, the big text is what we want to go through. The smaller text is just to show you that it is in the Bible. Feel free to read the whole thing yourself. But this is when God is like, something ain't right. 
y'all hiding and walking around and covering yourself, that's not the situation that I left you in. So God is like, what's going on? Verse 12, then the man, Adam, said, the woman, trying to blame it on the woman, the woman whom you gave me, God, she gave me out of this tree and I ate it. Then the God, God looked at the woman and said, Eve, what you done? The woman said, uh-uh, it was this serpent. Everybody's passing the book. But look at verse 14. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this. Now, pause right there. That is really the part we want. Because you have done X, Y will happen. Because you have taken a certain action, certain things will now ripple through time. He addresses the serpent. He addresses the woman or Eve. He addresses the man or Adam with the same basic mindset. Because you have done this. And because they did what they did, it made life harder, not just for them, but for their children after them. It not only did that, though. It created a gap, a spiritual gap, not just between them and God, but between their children and God. The actions you take, the words you speak, can cause a gap between your children and God. You can do things, you can say things to your children that make them be separate from God. You don't try to create a gap, but you create a gap. It was a ripple effect. We are going to avoid making the mistake of going down a path without considering its impact on our children. We will keep them top of mind. We're going to avoid the mistake. We're not going to get tripped up by the same thing. We, 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 keep the we now, we, we are going to make sure that we keep them. Our youth in this rebuild process are included. They're included. And we are going to be purposeful in our training and our leading and our guiding of them because they are truly precious life. There's a scripture reference that if you've been in church 20 minutes, you probably have heard it. It says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go. Let's look at that. The King James Version, 20, Proverbs 22, verse 6, is likely the one that you've heard because, quite frankly, for us believers 
who's got a couple of, you know, decades of birthdays under our belt. You know, we didn't necessarily grow up with any version other than the King James. It was thuses and thous and this is. And so you, 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 you heard that nowadays they got like 50 versions, translations of the Bible. But growing up, you had like two or three. So here is the one that's, that, that I grew up on. King James Version, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, of course, he or she is a child, so it just happens to be masculine there. Old school believers and many new school believers look at that train up a child in the way he should go, and they relegate that to corrective discipline. They also marry it with things like, you know, the Bible also says in Proverbs, spare the rod, spoil the child. And the book of Hebrews, they, Hebrews say that who God loves, he look at that, y'all know it. He chases, he get on that tail, he spank him, he get him, he get him straight, you know what I mean? It, it, although corrective discipline done right and in the right manner is appropriate, I don't disagree with that. That verse, though, is not strictly only dealing with corrective discipline. It also deals with helping them bloom in their individual gifts and talents. The Amplified Classic says it this way, train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not just about pow-pow discipline. It's about also working with God to help take what you see in them as a gift, as a talent, as a natural bent, and refining that thing. It's about taking their strengths and enhancing them and helping them minimize their weaknesses and quite frankly, hopefully converting their weaknesses maybe into a strength. It's about helping them build up their courage and diminish their fears. Helping build up their confidence and kind of taking their doubts and helping them suppress those things and push those things to the side. Training is about helping them become all those things that God wants them to be. Look at this. The Message Bible puts it this way. Point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. There are a lot of people, believers included, 
that talk about how our children are lost. I'm going to tell you, that's not a blanket statement. Not all children are lost. I would say the ones that get the most press are likely lost because that's what you see most. That's what makes the, that makes good news. Nobody would watch the news if everything was good and happy. Y'all don't get quiet on me. You, you, you want to know why Jerry Springer got rich? Not because he was bringing people on there that had the most ideal family. He got rich because you are the father. He got rich by letting people come in there fight. I know he your boyfriend and he my girl. He was with me yesterday. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He with me. I got a text. All that stuff is, is why he got. Because drama pulls people in. Act like you, know, you we like the mess. We like the God. We like the, we like the tea. We like the, ooh, child, you, you, we like that. And so when you hear about children being lost, it's because that will capture your ear. And they know it. And they write. But if we were to even go down that road, if, if we were to tiptoe down that road and we would say, okay, people say that our children are lost. Certain things they put on that as a, as a reason, as a cause, are things like the breakdown of the family, right? You hear that? It's the breakdown of the family. Another one that I'm going to go ahead and tell you in advance that kind of gets up under my skin is, and you know, they took prayer out of school. They'll hit that with you quick. They took prayer out of public school. You can look it up, Supreme Court. It's unconstitutional to, to do that kind of prayer. They took prayer out of school, and when they took prayer out of school, that was, that was one of the, the linchpins right there. Now, let me go ahead and say, no prayer in school. That, the, the fact that that went is where it went is unfortunate. I, I, I don't care for it. I don't like it. And you know what? Shame on us as a body of Christ and as Christians. We didn't fight hard enough. We didn't fight smart enough. We, something happened where we lost that battle, and, it, it, and we shouldn't have lost that battle. Shame, 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 shame on us. We shouldn't have lost that battle. But... I know that as, so that as your pastor, I am not allowing anybody, me included, to use that as an excuse. That's correct. That's right. Speak. I, I'm, I'm not, and I don't let other people, that I don't get into with other people, yeah. but if they ask me that I'm not allowing you to use that as an excuse, hey, guess what? The law took prayer out of school. Right. It didn't take prayer out of you. It didn't take prayer out of you. The law took prayer out of school. It did not take prayer out of your house. Amen. 
The law took prayer out of school. It did not take prayer from around your dinner table. It didn't take prayer out of your car. It didn't take prayer out of your baby's bedtime routine. It didn't take prayer out of your church. The law took prayer out of school. If there is no prayer in your child, you took prayer out of your child. That's not an excuse. The law is not the deciding authority in how we raise our youth. God is. That's not an excuse. Simply put, what we are to do is to train our children. And we cannot not train. We cannot not guide. We cannot not lead. What we are to do as adults is we are to, as the Message Bible says, point our children in the right direction, hey, so that they will not be lost. We have to do our part. In case you haven't noticed, them raising themselves don't work. You're an adult for a reason. Those youth are before you for a reason. Lead and guide them. Why are you going to let somebody 18,000 miles away on a video screen put more information in your child than you do yourself? You want prayer in your child, put prayer in them. You want the love of God in your child, put the love of God in them. You have to do that. Point your children, your kids, your youth in the right direction so that they won't be lost. We have to do that. We have to train and we have to guide and we have to lead. Family, let me tell you, the devil would love nothing better than for our youth to be wandering around in the world with no training and no guidance. He would love that, loves nothing more than that. You've seen this scripture. Notice it in 1 Peter. Amplified Classic, 1 Peter verse five, chapter 5, verse 8. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious. What are those three words? Oh, come on, say it from your chest. What are those three words? At all times. At all times for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams. Pause right there. Be well balanced at all times. Because the devil roams at all times. Yes. Be temperate and sober of mind at all times. Why? Because the devil roams at all times. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For your enemy, the devil, roams around at all times. Like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. I love that they use the word someone there, a very generic, neutral word. 
Someone, loved ones, has no gender. Someone, that word has no social status. Someone, that word doesn't have any educational level. It's just someone. More importantly, someone has no age. The devil don't care if it's a child. Amen. The devil don't care if they're youth. The devil will seize and devour anyone. Seeking someone to seize upon and devour. He don't care if that's our children. I will go one step further and say this. He prefers it be our children. If it is our children, then what he does is he gets a foothold in the future. And when he gets a foothold in the future, he can affect future generations. Amen. He would prefer nothing more than to get a grip on our children and get his feet and his hands and his tentacles into future generations. But guess what? He can't have our children so easily. That's my declaration. Without entering the fight of his life, he can't have them. We won't give it. We won't just roll over and give our children to him. If he wants them, he got to knuckle up and come get them. And he going to get hit hard and often at all times because we're going to be well-balanced, temperate. Sober of mind, vigilant, and cautious over that precious life. My declaration is that the enemy cannot just have our children, not without a fight. And it's more than a declaration. It's a stance. And I'm asking each and every one of you to take that stance with me. Amen. Now, I know you're probably thinking, what is Pastor Finney asked me to do? What, 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 is he gonna, what is he getting ready, to, what is he going to get ready to ask me, ask me to do? Uh, first of all, let me go ahead and just, just kick it out there. When I say that we want to stand together and protect our youth and lead them and guide them and train them, I appreciate your hallelujahs, but I want more than that. I appreciate you giving me an amen from the back row, but I, I want more than that. I want your action. I want your to-do. I want your motion. It's not as hard as you think, though. What we are going to do on this rebuild journey to help us move that mountain 
as we bring our young people along, what I'm going to ask of you is not as complicated as you think it's going to be. So before you get your mind kind of rifling through all the possibilities of what I might be asking, ready to ask you to do, let us first, number one, breathe. It's okay. It's it, 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 it's okay. Secondly, allow me just to set it up using words from Christ and Matthew. The book of Matthew. Here we go. The book of Matthew 25, easy to read version. We're going to start at verse 31. Words recorded by Matthew, and this is Jesus talking about when the Son of Man will come again. Now, this is going to, this is different than the return in the book of Revelation. You can study that uh, on, your, on your own time, but don't mix up the two. But it's still, we're not even concerned as much about that as we are the meat and potatoes and what we're going to get into. But here we go. The Son of Man will come again in divine greatness, and his angels will come with him. He will sit as king on his great and glorious throne. All the people of the world will be gathered before him. He will separate everyone into two groups. It will be like a shepherd, shepherd separating his sheep from his goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the what kind of people? Mm, to the godly people on his right, come. My father has great blessings for you. The kingdom he promised is now yours. It has been prepared for you since the world was made. It is yours because when I was hungry, what are those three words? You gave me. You gave me. Mm, my Lord. Here we go. When I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you welcomed me into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. This is the godly people. Amen. The people who are supposed to have the spirit of God on the inside. The Holy Spirit on the inside. Those people look out and see something and get the call on the inside and make the decision to give, to welcome, to care, to visit. These are people who have that fruit that the book of Galatians talks about. That fruit from what? The spirit? Godly people. That fruit that produces that, that love and that joy and that goodness and that patience, and that peace, and that gentleness, and that faithfulness, and that, what was it, what's the self-control? Those kind of people see hungry and give, thirsty and give, no place to stay and welcome in, no clothes and give, sick and care for, in prison and they visit. Jesus goes on, verse 37. Then the godly people will answer, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and give you food? I mean, you got a goatee and sideburn. I ain't see you. I would remember you. I didn't see your face. I didn't see your likeness. When did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and welcome you into our home? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer. The truth is, anything you did for any of my people here, you also did for me. Anytime you took action out of compassion, led by the spirit, you were not just doing it for the physical person that you see before you. You were also godly people doing it for me. He goes on there. He goes on though. Here we go. Then the king said to what kind of people? Evil. Mm, the evil people on his left. Get away from me. God has already decided that you will be punished. Go into the fire that burns forever, the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. You must go away because when I was hungry, what are those four words? You gave me nothing, my Lord. When I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I had no place to stay, you did not welcome me into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me nothing to wear. When I was sick and in prison, you did not care for me. Then those people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you without a place to stay? Or when did we see you without clothes or sick or in prison? When did we see any of this and not help you? The king will answer. The truth is, anything you refuse to do for any of my people here, you refuse to do for me. What I'm getting ready to ask you is to do. To do. And when you look at this and just take it all in in general, recognize these, we're going to call them evil people, are not getting reprimanded for anything they did wrong. Their reprimand is for what they did not do right. Yes, sir. But pastor, where do you get off if you're getting ready to say it, implying that we might be evil people? I'm not going that far. Believe me, I'm not going that far. Because I can tell you, and my wife has told me, we have made the call for 
adults to step up and help us guide our children. And a large portion of you have answered the call. I salute that. I celebrate. I'm, I'm so happy about that. She actually told me, do you know that about, listen to this number, one-fourth of our congregation stepped up to help. Oh, give God some praise for that. That is unheard of. That tells me people are receiving the vision. They are receiving the intent. For every single per- person that has helped since COVID, I celebrate you. Folks that have hurt helped before COVID, I celebrate you. This is not something necessarily quote unquote new. It is getting back to the basics. Amen. So I'm not saying, as a blanket statement, we don't get it and we evil people. But you know I like to put it close to the bone. And so I want to give you just some insight of evil people because this is not about somebody doing something wrong. It's about people not doing what is right. You do realize, and we're going to go to James, but you do know James is the one that says something like, if you see a brother in the cold and ain't got no clothes on and just say, God bless you, what you done did? You ain't get that man no suit. You ain't get that man no jacket. You ain't get that man no sneakers. What? What? I understand that you are a God-fearing, faithful person, but what good is that? But evil people, look at James. James chapter 4, verse 17, first in the voice, then the message Bible. James has, so if you know the right way to live and ignore it, it is sin, plain and simple. The message Bible. In fact, if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is, what's that word? Evil. Not calling you evil people, but it's just if, if you see something that's the right thing to do and you don't do it, not doing anything about it is just the wrong thing to do. What I'm asking is that each one of us do not ignore the call to help lead and guide our children. That's my ask. How that happens in your purview, I'm not going to get that specific. But help lead, help guide, help train in some form or fashion. Once again, before you start letting your mind go through all these kind of possibilities of what that could possibly mean, know that it's not that complicated. Go back up one to Matthew. I want you to do this with me. This time we're going to really focus in. Notice the words there that are in black highlight 
and bold it out there. Hungry, thirsty, no place to stay, without clothes, sick, in prison. Tell me, family, what are those? Yeah, say it loud. Basic needs. On three. One, two, three. Basic needs. Basic needs. What Jesus is basically saying is, it was not anything overly complicated. You didn't have to go way out of your way to figure out what was needed. People before you just had some basic needs. Basic needs. Hungry and you give nothing? Thirsty and you give nothing? Without clothes and you leave them naked? Sick? You don't even care for them? In prison, you don't even give a care. Go back to James. If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. Amen. Loved ones, we need to do the right thing by our youth. And all of those things that Jesus talked about were basic human needs. We have a lot of well-educated folks in here, a lot of degrees and a lot of experience. Many of us, if not the majority of us, have always seen in our master's classes or business classes or psychology classes or, 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 or people classes what they call the pyramid of basic needs. Maslow, that's right. Notice. Family Jesus was talking about basic needs. Physiolo physiological needs, look at them. Food, they were hungry, that's food. Thirsty, that's water. No place to stay, that's shelter. Naked, that's clothes. Well, you say, what about, what about six? Step it up one. Safety and security, health. Ah, what about in prison? What? A sense of belonging? Friendship? Family? Beyond that, though, Because I know people can be like, well, I can't just go around feeding everybody. <laughs> my mama, God bless her, she's in, we regret that. Mama's like 84, 80, 85. Now, mama, my mama is in her 80s. Amen. Since I was a little boy, my mama used to tell me, her and my daddy, when he was, when he was still with us, would tell me, baby, we can't feed everybody, but we sure can feed somebody. And guess what happens when each one of us does a piece? But beyond the 
physiological needs, if I said that word right, if you just go up that pyramid, each of us can do our part to guess what? Show our youth a healthy sense of family, a healthy sense of social stability. Each and every one of us can help show them a healthy sense of friendship. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm my child's parent. I'm not their friend. Oh, that stung, didn't it? Because I know, I, 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 and, I, and in a sense, I understand that. In a sense, guess what? I agree with that, the concept of what you're saying. But just because you're not your child's friend does not mean you cannot be friendly to your child. Parents, do not provoke your children to wrath. No, you're not supposed to be their, their, their friend, buddy, in the sense of letting them do everything that they want to do. You're there to lead and to guide. But you doggone diggity should be friendly. Amen. Each one of us should do, just keep stepping up. Each one of us should do our part to give them a healthy sense of connection. What about helping them with their confidence? Respect. Knowing who they are as individuals. Ooh, what about creativity? What about a healthy sense of acceptance? Ooh, helping them discover their purpose. What about reaching their full potential? All of those things are things that we as adults should be doing. It's only right. They should not be leading and guiding themselves. They should not be raising themselves. We are the ones who should be doing that and making sure that their needs are met. And I guarantee you this. If you meet a child's need, they will give you their attention. Amen. They will give it to you. They will sit there as long as you want. And they will have ears open. And when they give you their attention, you train. You guide. You lead. You instill. Loved ones, my declaration is that the devil cannot have our children so easily not without getting into the fight of his life. When they open themselves up and give you their attention, what you want to do is you want to put the wisdom of God inside. The devil cannot have our children and the best defense our children will have against the enemy is the wisdom of God inside. When they give you their attention and you put the wisdom of God on the inside, loved ones, you have to do it in a way that they are receptive to it, not in a weird way. You can't weird them out. You can't make it spooky. 
It sounds comical, but if you make it weird, if you make it spooky, you're going to make a gap. And if you make a gap, that gap between, be specific, Benjamin, yes, I will, between them and God was caused because you weirded them out. When you give them the wisdom of God, it needs to be practical. It needs to be applicable. It needs to be relational. It needs to be real. Now, when they get with God and the spirit begins to move, they will pick up the spiritual. It will just happen. Do not try to put 80, 50, 30, however old you are, years of God, of what you've learned, into them in some weird way. You're going to weird them out. And if you weird them out, work it in reverse. If you want to train, but they don't give you your attention, it's not going to happen. Family, the devil cannot have our children. We're going to lead. We're going to gain, train. We're going to guide. And the best defense, and actually defense and offense, for our children is to have God inside. Young people with God inside, that is the worst thing that the devil wants to see. Why? Because those kind of kids fight back. They fight back. When the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, they learn that this one may be young, but this one got teeth. This one may be young, but this one got power. This one might be young, but this one, they know a little something about what they need to do to defend themselves off against a lion. When we put... God inside our young people. What we end up getting is a person that echoes the words that Daniel once wrote, that's written in the book of Daniel. Look at this. Daniel 11, verses 31 through 32, in the King James, the voice, and the easy to read. King James says, and arms, talking about a king, that's a northern king attacking from, it's going to attack the, where they are. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, I want you to read this last sentence with, with me. Let's go. But the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. When our young people know their God, they can stand strong in the face of the things that the enemy brings their way. Daniel 11 and 32 in the, vo in the voice, with smooth talk, he will entice people who act wickedly and break the covenant. But those who truly know their God will remain strong and work against him. 
When our children truly know their God, they're not easily enticed. They're not easily enticed to break the covenant. They're not easily enticed to move away from God. When they truly know their God, they will be strong and will work against him. Be easy to read. The northern king will use lies and smooth talking to trick those who quit following the holy agreement. So they will sin even worse. But those who know God and obey him will be strong. Those last four words with me. Let's go. They will fight back. My ask is that you do your part to help get the wisdom of God into our children so that when the enemy tries to come their way, they are well equipped and well able to fight back. As far as our rebuild vision, youth are included. Our young people are included. There is a mountain that stands before us in making our way to rebuild. And part of that mountain was talking about our youth. Or as we will mention the next time we're together, our seed. We're speaking to that mountain. And why, why and how are we speaking? We're speaking to each one of us as adults in case by some reason you thought or you had it in your mind or in your heart or never even conceived that you have a part to play in getting us all rebuilt. Sometimes as adults, we can get focused on just us. We can, especially if what's going on with you, you see as significant, you can put blinders up. But we're not going to make the same mistake that Adam and Eve made. We're not going to just assume or we're not going to, we're not going to not be careful with knowing that what we do affects generations after us. And we're going to have our young people come in. This is part of what we're doing today. They're going to share. As they share, and just keep recording all of this, as they share, I really ask that you truly give them your entire attention. Because remember, on the needs is affirmation. If they are going to share, your positive response does so much to help them wanting to continue to share. Can you come, please, Miss Sarah? As they come, 
I'm going to ask Miss Sarah to please lay some foundation of prayer for our children who are coming in and our positive receipt of them and that that receipt will help them continue to want to pursue more of God. that they have a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord God, that you train us on how to train them. You anoint and equip us to be a blessing to them, an asset and not a liability. We thank you, Lord God, that they're gonna see the joy of the Lord upon our faces. They're gonna see our excitement. They're gonna be excited about presenting what they have learned today. We thank you, Lord God, that we're gonna be enriched and blessed by learning from our children today. We thank you, Lord God, that there is no age to the spirit. They have been with you from the beginning. And we thank you that we will hear from them today and we will grow and we will continue to train them in the way they should go. And we will all continue to be better in every way. So we thank you for what's gonna take place today, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We rejoice in what we have heard today. We rejoice in being able to take action. We rejoice in knowing, Father God, that you have planted in us what is necessary to give unto them. You have equipped us because all good things come from you. So we thank you, Lord. We don't have to do this by ourselves. that you are with us every step of the way. There's actually scripture that says he will guide those that have young, that have, right, Miss Daryl? What was that scripture? He will guide those that, are, that have young, it's in there. Look it up. Google it. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Are we ready? Yes. We're going to get some guidance. Uh, Ms. Ingram, please share what's getting ready to transpire, and then let's have them come up in a very, in a very, purposeful way. Okay. Our first series in youth ministry was This Is My Bible. And so today, all the age groups have prepared what they have internalized from those series. And so they're going to share uh, whatever God spoke to them about, and they're going to share with you. Who are, we, who are we starting with? We're going to start with pre-K. Pre-K. Bring up pre-K. Give God some praise for our pre-K. can just describe what they're holding. No, go ahead. Let him, let him go. Yes, get up there with him.
Give God some praise. Now, there are things written on their plate, so who's going to read what's on their plate? So, Go ahead. On the back of their plates, they have the word Bible. So they went over wet letters were on the Bible. So that was part of why the song was on, because they were supposed to hold the plate so you could see B-I-B-L-E. And on the front of some of their plates, they started writing down the confession. Amen. Oh. All right. So Camille has on her plates, do you remember it? This one, this part. So on this plate, you got, this part has the part on there where it says, I can do what it says I can do. I can do. What I, I can do what it says I can do. Amen. I can have. I can have what it says I can have. Yes. He did. Okay. And who wrote the Bible? The author. The author. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the Bible written for? Us. Amen. Yes. Give God some praise for them. Thank you. We made it to Genesis. Yes. <laughs> Give God some praise for them again. Good job. Good job. Good job. We're going to have elementary school next. Elementary school. of sharing the word with this group of strong minds. And when I say strong minds, <laughs> strong minds. Um, this is um, K through fifth grade, and they're going to share with you what they have learned. Amen. We're going to start with. Good morning. My name is Ayla, and today I will share with you, along with my peers, of what we learned in the Bible series. Here is the breakdown of the Bible. We learned there are 66 books of the Bible divided into two testaments, the Old and the New, and that the Bible was inspired by God, written by 40 different authors in 2 Timothy's chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching and for showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching how to live 
Right, International Children's Bible Version. Did you know that the ICB version is one of many translations of King James Version? Hello, my name is Sierra Thigpen. The Old Testament has 39 books, which are divided into five parts. Five laws, 12 histories, five portraits, five major prophets, and 12 minor prophets. Did you know Moses wrote the first five books? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? My name's Allie. The New Testament has 27 books, which are divided into four parts. Four Gospels, one History, 13 Letters of Paul, eight General Letters, and one Prophecy. Did you know Matthew, the tax collector, wrote the book of Matthew? Mark wrote the book of Mark. Physician Luke wrote the book of Luke. And Disciple John, not John the Baptist, wrote the book of John. Finally, we learn about Harriet Tubman honoring Black History Month. Did you know that Harriet Tubman and Moses have similar backgrounds? Another thing, Moses, the author of the first five books, was an Israelite. He was adopted and raised by the Pharaoh's daughter, and his people, the Israelites, were slaves. Harriet Tubman, known as Moses of her people, was inspired by Moses' story told by her mom. She was a runaway slave, abolitionist, and a social activist. But what did they have in common? They both helped their people escape from slavery, leading them to freedom. Great job. Yes. Middle school. You did so well. So well. All four of you. Come on, Ben. Get up there. Get up there. Get up there. Get up there. There we go. Don't knock each other down. All right. This is middle school, um, and they're going to share what the Bible is to them. Go ahead, Victoria. The Bible is to me a guide. It tells me how to go about my life for Jesus. It's therapy for me to read and live by. After reading it, I feel calm and at peace. My go-to scriptures are Genesis 6-6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Ephesians 6-4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admiration of the Lord. Mark 13, 33. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. And Romans 8, 18. The pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that is coming. I made mine about 
how the Bible is the abbreviation of basic instructions before leaving Earth. And over here, I made this thing. It's a door <laughs> that says, it just says, be the door on top. So basically, it basically means be the door to God for other people. So um, what me and my friend Evan put was the Bible has the Old and New Testament. The Bible teaches you about God, Jesus, and life lessons. God is want, wanting us to learn more about him, and God has changed people's lives. Um, I was going to finish this picture, but I didn't have enough time. But what um, what this is supposed to be is um, in the in the Bible, God um, gives life to a dead girl, so that's supposed to show how God changed people's lives and teaching life lessons and having and helping people um, um, and learn about all all of this in the Bible. So this is the Bible. Um, inside the Bible, it says and tells us that God has always has plans for us. God always loves us, and God helps teaches people. High school. The whole back row, all of them, yes, you all are coming. Come on, Lala. Yes. Take your time. Yeah. Go. And then we're going to, yep. And one more little caboose. Yeah, there we go. Hello, hello. This is our next generations of leaders. So they are learning how to do this thing right. Okay, we're gonna start here and tell you what we started on the first week. Go ahead. Oh, do I say my name? You say, yeah, you can tell um, me. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> my name's Serena, and for the first week, we learn First um, Peter chapter one, verse 22 to 25. And it's saying that the, the word is true. And if you uh, read the word and let Jesus into your heart, then you are renewed and a changed man and a woman. And you are yeah, spiritually transformed. And with that, you are set free. So for week two, I think they learned about the Bible confession. So, yes, I'm going to read it. I know we already probably did it in church, but I'm going to read it anyways. Because, so, like, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, 
it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me, my people. Okay, and now, um, yeah, all the other classes have done the sections of the Bible and what it's in. So I'm just going to say a verse that I learned from when I was in there with middle school. I learned that Lamentations was like a book. It says it was a book about sad prayers. So I went and I read it because, you know, sad. And, <laughs> and I found this verse. It's Lamentations chapter 3, uh, verse 22 to through 24, and it says, we're still alive because the Lord's faithful love never ends. Every morning he shows us it in new ways. You are so very true and loyal, I say to myself. The Lord is my God and I trust him. So. Hello, my name is Arabella, and um, in my group, we learned about the Old and New Testament. Um, the Old Testament has 39 books, and the New Testament has 27, and combined, there's 66 books in the Bible. And a fun fact is that 40 authors wrote the Bible. Um, wait, yeah, the New Testament has Gospels church history, letters, and prophecy. Uh, um, we all wrote one verse from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. So one of my verses was Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Don't judge others, and God will not judge you. And that was from the New Testament. Um. <laughs> One of my verses was First John chapter 3, verse 14 through 15 and 18. And it says, we know that we have passed from the death of life because we love each other. We love other believers. The person who doesn't grow in love remains in death. Everyone who hates another believer is a murderer, and you know that a murderer doesn't have eternal life. Dear children, we must show love through through actions that are sincere and not through empty words. This is my verse. Um, it's Second Kings, verse twenty-two. It's about Josiah, the youngest king in the Bible, and how he was eight years old when he became king. And he always did what was right in his eyes of God. Hello, my name is Ariana. Um, one of the verses that I talk about for the New Testament, I'm not going to, I'm going to read it, but I want to say what it means to me because I'm a person that loves promises and I, I go by them. So I thought this verse was important when it's saying keeping a promise uh, to a marriage after they have a, a child. Um, this is from Matthew, and I said, this is, this is the written story of the family line of Jesus, the Messiah. He is the son of David, and he is also the son of Abraham. This is how the birth of Jesus, us the Messiah, came about, and as the mother Mary and Joseph had promised to get married. 
guys. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Now, family, one more round of applause, please. Wonderful job. And where is Ali? Can you come up here, please? Let me, let me just, before we close out with the prayer and go on to, you know, other things at the end of service, we had a meeting, a leadership family meeting, and one of the things that Allie did, you know, raise her hand in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> yes, Allie, what, you know, what do you think would be great or what do you want to say? She says, you know what would be good? And I might not get it completely right, but she said something to the effect of if that we as young people can come in and tell the adults what we learned. And so what you just saw is the result of her being bold enough to raise her hand in a group of adults and make her request known. That's the kind of spirit that we are hoping to instill in our youth. Don't just sit back and be silent. God put something in your heart. Make it known. So as they finish the series, we will learn. And our affirmation, once again, continues to help them desire to continue to get closer to God. So thank you for that. if you would, let's pray. God, I thank you that we love, 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 love the young people that you've given us. And by loving them, we're going to help teach and guide and lead them to a heart that wants to get closer to you. I thank you that the guidance does not remove them from their hopes and aspirations and dreams, but propels them forward. Keeping it real and practical and applicable shows them how to make it in the world. It doesn't isolate them from the world. It gives them the right insulation, allows them to remain strong, to remain in you where others may be asking them to do the opposite. Do you want them successful? Absolutely. Do you want them to top in their field? Absolutely. Do you want them to be experts in those things that you put in their hearts? Absolutely. And all of that will happen wrapped up in a nice tight bow that has you on the inside. And we thank you for giving us as adults the spirit-led heart combined with actions to do our part to help pave the way for them to desire, desire more of you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. 
We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.